I love being the underdog. So I knew every time that we played uh, Boise State, nobody expected us to win. So it was one of those games that I was so excited about because we had the opportunity to, to really just shake stuff up and honestly piss a lot of people off. and welcome to the YO Sports Podcast. I'm your host, David Graff. Alongside me is my co-host, Robert Munoz. It is an awesome episode of the YO Sports Podcast today. We have another poke pro for you. Seattle Seahawks tight end Jacob Hollister joins the podcast, talks about his time at UW, talks about his time in the pros, developing a relationship with Russell Wilson, and... Is, does he fancy himself a better quarterback, potentially, than Josh Allen? I'm just kidding. He doesn't, but you'll enjoy the twist on that question when we get to it. That's coming up for you. We're also going to talk about the Athlon Sports, named their Mountain West preseason All-Mountain West team. So there were nine guys from the University of Wyoming named to those teams. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're also, since we have Jacob Hollister, who was a member of that 2016 University of Wyoming football team, that played for a Mountain West championship and unfortunately lost in the Poinsettia Bowl to BYU. We're going to talk about that 2016 team because it was pretty loaded as you, if you look at the roster now, going up and down their future NFL pros and just really, really good University of Wyoming Cowboys. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll let you go. But first, Robert, how's it going? David, my man, what's going on? It's going well. Just living, living life out here. How's it going down there in SoCal for you? It's hot in the car when I get in the car because I got no AC. But other than that, I can't complain a whole lot. What are you up to in Wyoming, though? Not much, man. Just a whole lot of nothing, bro. Just hanging out. Excited to be on the pod with you again today. Excited to see your face. Look forward to our weekly chats, man. Yeah, I definitely look forward to these as well. It's definitely cooled down in terms of busyness we got a lot of these interviews done early on so we could share them with you guys but first i'll get a get a little bit of news out there for you i'm sure you've heard by now if you follow the university of wyoming and their athletic programs they were fortunate enough to have no positive covid19 tests now you've seen at other schools kind of a mini panic because Student-athletes have tested positive for COVID-19, and the schools, the athletic departments, the athletes, no one really knows what to do. Fortunately, Wyoming hasn't had to deal with that yet per their release that no one tested positive for COVID-19. That's awesome. Good job for the student-athletes. Good job by them. You know, sheltering in place, wearing masks, whatever you got to do to stay healthy. So... Just want to shout that out and thank those guys for doing their part, so to speak. Shout out to the coaches and all the athletic personnel as well, because uh, none of them tested positive either, correct? Exactly. I don't. They tested. I think the whole athletic department. So no one, no one came down with the dreaded COVID nineteen. That's good, but in a positive way, nine. Nine University of Wyoming football players did find their names on the Athlon Sports All-Mountain West preseason team. YO Sports' Michael Katz wrote about this on yosports.net. If you want to check out that piece, he's got it up there. You go to YO Sports, it's on the homepage, so don't worry. But we're going to talk about it right now here. 
As I said, Wyoming had nine guys on the All-Mountain West preseason team. Boise State, obviously, everybody loves Boise State. Boise State is the preeminent football member of the Mountain West Conference, so it's no surprise that they have 17 members on this All-Mountain West preseason team from Athlon Sports. That led the conference, UNLV, oh, oh, Poor, poor UNLV. They are lagging behind at four. So Wyoming's nine is almost in the middle of those two. San Diego State and Hawaii had 11 members of note. It's interesting, running back Xavier Valade, who is an absolute workhorse, beast, stud, Whatever terminology you want to use for a running back, he's far and away. I have no qualms saying this. The best running back in the conference at the moment. His performance at the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl solidified the fact that the offense really will go through him. He runs the ball. He catches the ball. He touchdowns with the ball. Yeah, he touches down with the ball. He gets touchdowns with the ball. I don't know. He does anything that you can want a player to do when he has the ball in his hands. Also on the offensive line, somebody who's often opening up holes for Xavier Valade, center Keegan Kreider cracked the All-Mountain West or the Athlon Sports All-Mountain West preseason team. That's a mouthful. Robert, were there any guys that you think should have been on the first team from the University of Wyoming? When I'm looking at it, when I'm thinking about it, nah, I think they got it about right. But you did mention of no that there were no quarterbacks on any of these teams from the University of Wyoming. Pretty interesting. But, I mean, maybe that just goes to show that it will be a run-heavy offense, and Keegan Kreider is sitting there first team. We talked about how good the offensive line is going to be, so I think it's pretty appropriate for Valaday to be there and Kreider to be their first team. Is it shocking that there are no University of Wyoming players on first-team defense to you? I was going to mention, yeah, the fact that Sean Chambers or Levi Williams or whomever didn't crack one of these four teams seems odd to me. The QBs at Boise State, Hawaii, Air Force and Nevada were the four team, four quarterbacks that were selected for first, second, third, and fourth team all Mountain West preseason. I think maybe the buzz surrounding both of those guys hurt them, but I definitely think, as I've said before on this podcast, Sean Chambers should have cracked at least, I mean, at least third team. Who knows? I guess getting hurt, whatever. I digress. It was weird to see that Wyoming didn't have anybody on the first team. It's probably a few years since that's happened, given the University of Wyoming status as having a lockdown defense. There was Garrett Crawl, Solomon Bird, and Chad Muma on the second team defense. So they aren't they aren't being ignored completely but they might be being they might be being disrespected just a little bit we'll see they'll play the season they'll dominate that's what Wyoming does they dominate on the defensive side of the football it seems like every year you have a new marquee defender on that cowboy defense yeah David and that's what I kind of was talking about uh I don't remember if it was last week or a couple weeks ago but when we were talking about what we were looking forward to in this upcoming season, you know, I said I was really excited to see who will be that premier player on the defensive side of the ball because there are many guys that are going to step up, but who's going to be that Logan Wilson? Who's going to be that Andrew Wingard? You know, but there, you just mentioned three guys on that second team who could potentially be that next Logan Wilson. Yeah, I know you're a big Chad Muma guy. So if you're at home circling members of the defense circle Chad Muma that's who you're going to want to key in on I think I'd, I'm inclined to agree with Robert 
that Chad Muma might be the guy to break out. So, yeah, David, I think it's reasonable that they uh, cracked the second team. I mean, Solomon Bird doesn't have quite as much experience as Chad Muma. Chad Muma kind of had a pretty good season last year where he, I mean, made his name known on the roster. He's making plays. Solomon Bird, yeah, he gets to the backfield. He wreaks havoc. Maybe he could cause a couple of turnovers back there. Who knows? Um, I think they can live up to that, or I think they can play up to that second-team standard, maybe even play like they should have been on the first teams. I don't know. They'll definitely be motivated to crack that first team at the end of the year. They're absolutely worthy of the second-team All-Mountain West billing. It's hard to make your name when you've got guys like Logan Wilson, Cash Malawia. I know that Elijah Halberton didn't crack the NFL or hasn't so far, but when you've got defenders like that, it's hard to, you know, establish yourself as a quote-unquote guy on a defense. So Chad Muma and... Garrett Crawl have that opportunity before them now as kind of the elder statesman, if you will, of that defense. I'm excited to see it. I'm very excited to see it, and I think that they will and can do it. They can continue the tradition of a cowboy tough defense in Laramie. Another interesting thing from this list from Athlon Sports, it's interesting that San Diego State and Hawaii both had the second most. They each had 11 guys. They have new coaches heading into this 2020 season. Nick Rolovich heading off to uh, Pullman. He's going to take over for Mike Leach at Wazoo. And Rocky Long decided to retire at San Diego State. It'll be interesting to see if either of those guys can use that collection, use their, I'm not sure who Hawaii hired. I can't remember who they hired as their head coach. I do know that Brady Hoke is now the head man in San Diego at San Diego State. Oof. Anyways. It'll be interesting to see if the guys who took over at those respective programs can use that collection of talent to their benefit and win some games and continue the winning ways of their predecessors. Obviously, at San Diego State, we've kind of only seen Rocky Long have success there, so I'm skeptical of Brady Hoke, especially given his lackluster tenure at Michigan. If you're the coach at a big-time program, what does it really mean if you didn't win anything or you didn't establish whatever that's aside? If you're not successful at something, maybe just stay in your lane, Brady Hoke. I don't know. Anything interesting from the rest of the list, the teams aside from uh, the no Wyoming quarterback to you, Robert? The fellow you're thinking of, David, is uh, Todd Graham, a former Arizona State head coach. Thought maybe you'd remember that since ASU's your squad. But something inter- something that stood out to me that was pretty uh, interesting on this all conference on this list of all conference teams was Hank Bachmeyer, who of Boise State, who didn't even. I mean, he's the best quarterback on this list, but he didn't even finish the season as a starting quarterback for Boise State. Last year, we know Jalen Henderson came in and played some games. And Chase Cord as well, didn't he play against Wyoming? I'm pretty sure, yeah, he was the man who played uh, played against Wyoming last season. So that's pretty interesting to me to see Bachmeyer up there as the potential best quarterback in the conference next season or this upcoming season I should say. Yeah there's definitely egg on my face not realizing that Todd Graham took the head job down in Hawaii that kind of makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Todd had a little a lot more success at 
Rice, I believe, before he ended up at Arizona State, where he was the king of going seven and five and being the most likable guy, but he could not maximize the talent. So that'll be interesting to see if he can do the same at Hawaii or improve on his own legacy. As for Bachmeyer, I was thinking the exact same thing. It just kind of slipped my mind, but yeah. For him to get top billing, despite the fact that he played most of the season for Boise State last year, but didn't finish out the season for Boise State, that's odd. That's really odd. We'll see. Maybe Sean Chambers or Levi Williams will have established themselves in Laramie, and they will be taking over that first team slot in the Mountain West. Fingers crossed. We shall see. But right now, we're going to go to this interview that Robert and I conducted last week. We talked with current Seattle Seahawks tight end and former University of Wyoming pass-catching tight end Jacob Hollister. Hollister was a force when he was in Laramie. He did most of his damage when Josh Allen was at quarterback his senior season. He averaged almost 15 yards a catch for his career in uh, in Laramie, which is not something you really uh, are used to, especially now from a tight end when they're typically known for short routes. He... I'm looking at his all of his stats. He is probably the worst rusher in the history of the program. He had two attempts for a total of negative seven yards. But we didn't bring that up with him, and I won't hold that against him since he's a tight end. He also caught seven touchdowns as a senior. And uh, honestly, he's he's turned into quite the impressive tight end with the Seahawks, he formed a quick bond with Russell Wilson last season. In addition to the quick bond that he formed with Russell Wilson, he talks about his relationship with Josh Allen, University of Wyoming quarterback, what it was like and how they were able to develop quick chemistry in Laramie together. He also, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, you're, you're probably very familiar with Jacob Hollister if you're listening to this podcast, but he played with the New England Patriots and won a Super Bowl. So yeah, you're, you're, what you're thinking is right. His quarterbacks recently have been Josh Allen in college, Tom Brady when he first got to the NFL, and now he's paired with Russell Wilson. I don't know if you can ask for a better group of players to be getting you the ball, especially if you're a tight end. Everybody knows uh, how much Tom Brady and Russell Wilson like hitting their tight ends. So we'll let I'll get out of the way here. You guys enjoy that interview, and Robert and I will be breaking down that interview and the 2016 University of Wyoming football team after that. Second and three. All right, we're very excited now, Wyo Sports Podcast listeners. We've got a University of Wyoming alum, a former member of the football team, a tight end, and a current tight end for the Seattle Seahawks, Jacob Hollister, joining us. Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Living life out here in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, that's pretty sweet. I, I hear Bend is a pretty cool place, so... A tad jealous, but it's okay. It's a great spot. It's hard to complain about Wyoming, too. I love it out there, too, uh, especially during the summers. But, yeah, Oregon's hard to beat, man. It's a good spot. Yeah, no doubt. I actually I was talking with somebody who lived in uh, Bend last week. So I'll just I'll ask this right off the top. Do you like to shoot beer? Oh, yeah. You pretty much have to. It's like part of the mandatory requirement for living in Bend. You have to like their beer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I love I love to use beer. They're, they have really good uh, IPAs. Unfortunately, I can't drink it a lot just because uh, I'm always training and stuff. But once in a while, I have a good IPA. There's they, they make some great beer. 
That's pretty funny. Yeah, I was talking with the VP of marketing and sales, and I'd line this interview up with you, and I was like, man, you got to ask him if he likes to shoot. Oh, yeah. Great spot. I've grown a ton since I was a kid. I feel like that's kind of what made the market boom in a lot of ways, is to shoot starting here, and, and then it kind of you know branched out from there. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. So let's go from, from Deschutes and Bend, where you grew up there in Bend. You walked on at Nevada, then you left for a junior college in Arizona. I know that Wyoming recruited you initially out of high school when you were playing quarterback, but then in junior college, you decided to go to Wyoming. What changed for you? Um. Yeah, there were a lot of factors. So me and my brother... Me and my brother went and uh, walked on at Nevada. We just thought it was the best um, situation for us. And um, and then after a semester there, we just we honestly just couldn't afford it anymore. We were we stacked up some debt and and we were just looking for um, looking for a place to go play. And we googled top JUCOs in the nation, and Arizona Western uh, popped right up for football. And so we. Uh, messaged coach Minnick and he offered us scholarships to go over there so that was a huge blessing to to have our school covered over there and then um, coach Minnick switched me to tight end and and uh that was an adjustment for me and and I was pretty raw at the position and then Wyoming uh came in and gave me an offer so I was was really excited about that because yeah like you said I had talked to them out of high school a little bit uh they never offered me um and then they ended up offering me uh, out of Juco, so it was pretty cool. What was that transition to tight end like for you? Was it tough? Did you resist it at first? Um, I think initially when my coach told me, I was I was pretty shocked when he just said like I want you to I want you to switch to tight end. And at first, it's that shock because as a quarterback, I mean, you know, you grow up playing quarterback your whole life, and and it's just ingrained in your in your mind. So. At first, I was I was freaking out a little bit, and I called my dad and I and I asked him, like, "Hey, dad." So, expecting him to freak out, I'm telling him my coach wants me to switch to tight end, and then my dad just super calm said, "I kind of always knew you'd switch to tight end, uh, especially going to the next level." And I think it's a great switch for you. And so at that point, it gave me a lot of uh, a lot of ease and calmed my nerves, and and uh, I was excited about it. So, made the transition, and definitely took some time. A lot of work. My brother's the one that just took me to square one. I mean, showed me how to get into a receiver stance and and uh, taught me a lot about the routes that I do know and and then just built from there. But yeah, it was, it was honestly a pretty uh, smooth transition for the most part. And then just making that mental switch in the blocking game was big too. You had a lot of big games playing for Wyoming at that tight end position, but what? Is your favorite memory playing at War Memorial Stadium? Oh man, there's there's a lot. Um, yeah, one of them being the end of uh, the end of the who was it NIU game when Josh ran it in in like triple overtime because it was our, our game kept getting delayed. It was like it was close to I think it was close to two a.m. by the time we finished and. I just remember Josh hunted it in. We were all just so tired, triple overtime, and and I was just so relieved. It was, it was just the coolest feeling. And then obviously, uh, beating Boise State at home with the crowd rushing the field, and uh, and that, there was just so much energy. It was just it was so cool to have that moment where I think Boise was. I don't know if they were ranked thirteenth or sixteenth. They were ranked pretty high, and. and uh, we all just played really hard, played really well, and, and got the win there. So that was, that was a pretty awesome moment for, for everybody in the program, including you know, Coach Bowl and the coaching staff and all their hard work paying off. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, because you had that monster game against Boise, I thought that would uh, be what you would say. But was Boise the team that you kind of got most amped up to play against, or was there another team in the conference that you were, I mean, just got really excited to go up against? I mean, CFU was always a team that we got pretty excited to play against. Uh, but yeah, Boise State was up there too. I just, I love, I love being the underdog. So I knew every time that we played uh, Boise State, nobody expected us to win. So 
it was one of those games that I was so excited about because we had the opportunity to to really just shake stuff up and and uh, honestly piss a lot of people off and and so I just I always look forward to that game and um, and I knew a lot of the guys for Boise State too so uh, just with connections through friends and stuff like that so it was, it was always it was always a lot of fun playing those guys and and obviously they were always a good program so I just I really liked uh, really liked playing those guys. What did you like to do in Laramie when you weren't playing football? Oh man, there's a lot. People always ask me that, like, what do you do out there in, in Laramie? And, and we always, I feel like we, we got creative because there's a, you know, there's obviously not a ton to do downtown and stuff like that. But um, when it comes to just the city in general, I just, I loved how it was just such a small little college town and everybody kind of knew everybody. So when we go out and have fires and, and just hang out with friends, um, we actually, uh, me and my roommates at the time, uh, Drew Van Monen and Tommy Thornton, Brendan Torelli, a bunch of guys. We all had little motorcycles, so we'd be riding around, uh, riding around Laramie on our motorcycles during the summer, and and uh, just going over to the pool where everybody would hang out. And there was always something to do, man. It was, it was a lot of fun, especially during those summers when it was really just the athletes uh, there at the school. We'd all be hanging out and just having a good time. Yeah, no doubt. It's you got to get creative. You're talking with two University of Wyoming grads as well, so I know what it I know what it takes to entertain yourself in Laramie, whether it's the summer or yeah. you know it's freezing. You're just freezing in January, so yeah, I can yeah. respect that. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to I don't want to cause a rift in your relationship potentially with Josh Allen, but I do want to ask. Who's the better duo, passer to pass catcher, Josh to you or you to your brother? Oh, man. That is a great that, – that's probably one of the best questions I've ever heard. And I, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, be hard, it'd be hard for me to top anything that uh, me and my brother had because it was, it was really something else where – we just we had so many you know little I could give him a look and he knew you know what I was what route I wanted or, or you know we saw the same thing and I mean really it comes down in high school you're not reading much so I'm, he knew he was getting the ball every play and and I was gonna throw it up whether he was getting triple triple teamed or whatever it was so there's not as much to it in, in high school but uh man having Josh as a quarterback was was really incredible and not only as a player, he's you know obviously such a talented player, but I just love the way the way that dude leads the huddle and, and leads the team, and he has so much passion. So, really, really close second for sure. <laughs> you obviously have that great chemistry with your brother, like you just mentioned. Uh, you obviously had that great chemistry with Josh as well. But kind of, what was your relationship with Josh off the field? Yeah, it was great. Um, so he was actually. He was my, or I was his host when he came in um, for his visit out of JUCO. And so that's when we first met. I was hosting him and we just had a great night hanging out and all that. And I remember he showed me his highlight tape. He was hurting him some dude. And I was like, man, this kid, watching him throw on his highlight tape. And I'm like, how are we the only team that's off of this kid? And, <clears throat> and then uh, just as he, uh, when he got here and when he got to Laramie, um, yeah, we kind of just connected right away. We Our friends were always really close, and really our whole team was always really close with each other. So we'd be hanging out all the time. And, and uh, like I said, he's such a great leader and such a passionate dude that uh, he just draws people, you know, to him. And, and I was one of those guys. So we, we had a great time hanging out and, and just getting to know each other. There were a lot of players from your time at UW that made it to the NFL just kind of curious, how well did Wyoming help prepare you for the NFL? Oh, man, it helped a lot. That coaching staff just did a great job. Uh, Coach Vegan does an incredible job just helping me out. And I had some great tight end coaches, too. And it's really uh, nice because they run they run a very pro-friendly offense over there. So there's a lot of things that uh, transition really well uh, from playing in Wyoming's offense to going to the pros. and and uh, you have to be 
a smart football player to play in that Wyoming offense. So um, I'm also glad that they had, you know, they had me with my hand in the dirt a lot because, uh, you know, a lot of guys will come from college in the league and they're standing up 80% of the time. And then, you know, you have to have your hand in the dirt in the league for, you know, whatever it is, 50, 50% of plays and um, they're not used to it. So they definitely um, helped me out a lot. That coaching staff, uh, my teammates over there and, uh, just the program in general. So you get brought up from the practice squad last season in Seattle, and you, I mean, you immediately start making an impact on the team. You caught that game-winning touchdown against Tampa Bay. That was that was pretty awesome. Um, what was that like? Was was that play designed to go to you? I'm the first read on that play, so uh, I knew that if it was a good look, which I think they were, they were just in straight man there, so. I knew that I was the first read, um, and I was most likely getting the ball as long as I won. So, so yeah, I wouldn't say you know it was designed, but with the the defense that they were playing, it was I knew it was really likely that Russ was going to throw that ball to me, and that was awesome, man. That was a cool, that was a really cool moment, just because yeah, like you said, just uh, you know, starting the year on the practice squad and and then uh, and getting traded from the Patriots and stuff like that, and. Uh, just drive showing off a little bit and and you know my first game scoring I had two touchdowns and, and then the game winner so it was, it was a pretty awesome moment so last year during the 2019 NFL season I was living in Montana so I watched every single Seahawks game probably too intensely but I noticed that you had a real connection with Russ how did you develop that chemistry, especially considering you didn't start the season on the active roster? I think it's really you know similar to any relationship where you know the foundation needs to be built on trust, and I feel like uh, me and Russ just built that you know built that trust for each other. And you know, as a receiver, as a tight end, you're going out there every day trying to earn your quarterback's trust more and more. So. That's what I tried to do every day in practice. I wanted Russ to know, you know that I was going to be where where he expected me to be, and and um, that I could just be a football player. That you know, you don't want to be a robot a robot out there. You want to be able to adjust and move along with the game and the way that they're playing defense. And and so you know, we just built more of a connection as the as the games went on. And you know, like you said, I just uh, you know, obviously Russ is he's an incredible football player and. And, uh, you know, not only that, but off the field, too. He's just an amazing guy. So we've gotten close to his friends, and, and uh, I think that's part of it, too, just, you know, getting to, getting to know each other off the field and, and being good buddies. You go from playing in Foxborough with Bill Belichick, playing for uh, Pete Carroll, two completely different coaches, but um, are they really that different when you're in the locker room or when you're at practice or whatever? Uh, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're very, very different. I think, um, you know, there's, I really don't like comparing anybody or anything, but I really think of it kind of like you just have two, two people, two, two cultures with to- totally different personalities. So two, uh, you know, two cultures that are, are very competitive and very motivated, uh, in everything that they do, a lot of attention to detail, but the way that they approach it is just totally different. So I think what I, what I love most about Coach Carroll and, and Coach Belichick is they're just very genuine. So uh, they're not trying to fake anything. They, they are who they are. And um, us as players, we really respect that, especially you know, when you get into the league. You know, it's, it's a bunch of men out there. So, you know, it's a bunch of grown men, and, and they want to be you know, treated with respect. and it goes both ways. So, you know, both of them being very, very genuine people uh, and coaches, I think is what makes the biggest difference. And, and that's very similar in both of them. Well, I want to wrap it up here. We've asked everybody that's a former poke and now a professional athlete this question. What does it mean to you to be a cowboy? Now, I take a lot of pride in, in being a cowboy, honestly. Like, there's a lot of different reasons that I take a lot of pride in it and and, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I, I love being the underdog. And, and I'm not saying that we've always been the underdog, but 
I think that we've always had that chip on our shoulder over at University of Wyoming and um, just this, you know, little school out in middle of Wyoming that not many people know about. And I think that we, we all take pride in that. And I take pride in just the people that I got to know and, and uh, throughout the years, I'm just so thankful to that because uh, if I, you know, if I wouldn't have gone out to Wyoming, I, I guarantee I wouldn't be where I'm at today. I learned, learned a lot out there. Uh, you know, cowboy stuff is, is really, a, is really a true thing right there. It's, it's something that I learned while I was there and, and I uh, took along with me, not only in, in football, but in life. So um, being a cowboy means a lot to me and, and I really love everybody over there. I'd agree with that in terms of being, being proud of having that chip on your shoulder. I think I can speak for Robert as well. Jacob, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us, and good luck next season. Of course. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. It just feels so good getting it for the guys who have been here for so long through the struggle and the coaches who have just believed in us and uh, told us if we stay, we're going to be champions. And those guys who are here right now are the guys who believed in that. And we had a lot of guys leave who, who didn't believe in that, didn't believe in the system. But the guys who have stayed here are the hardest working guys you'll ever meet. And uh, through the offseason, everything, we've all just had trust in each other. And, man, we're just we're, – I'm so proud of all my guys. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Seattle Seahawks tight end and former University of Wyoming Cowboy Jacob Hollister. I know I did. I had a ton of fun. I apologize. I should have apologized in advance. We let off with the beer question because I had just a few days before that, uh, I recorded a beer podcast episode with the VP of marketing and sales at the shoots. So he was fresh on my mind. I'd been, you know, editing that, that podcast down before we hopped on with Jacob. He was kind enough to give us a ton of his time, more than generous, honestly, really great guy. So Anything that stood out to you, Robert, from that interview? I know a few things did besides the fact that, of course, duh, I should have known he likes to shoot beer. He's from Bend, Oregon. Nothing, David. The only thing that stood out to me was you asked him potentially the best question that he's ever been asked. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. We, uh, we didn't preface that either. Jacob is actually a twin. His twin brother, Cody... Kind of funny for me, actually, his brother Cody went to the University of Arkansas. I grew up in Arkansas. Jacob went to the University of Wyoming. I went to the University of Wyoming. So me and him, we went to the University of Wyoming, and our best friends went to the University of Arkansas, something that we have in common. I didn't even bring that up with him. But it was a lot of fun, really fun. Really excited for him going into this season. Looking forward to watching him play and can't wait. I hate to say that to root for the Seattle Seahawks and Jacob Hollister. Yep, Dave, it's going to be a lot of fun cheering on Hollister. You always got to cheer on those uh, UW athletes, former UW athletes who are playing in the pros. Might even have to pick up Hollister on my fantasy football team. Who knows? I know I picked him up last year after that game-winning touchdown, man. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantasy sleeper for sure at the tight end position. Hopefully, he doesn't get pushed out of the crowd. I mean, his his 2019 season should give him some job security, but it's going to be a crowded field there in Seattle, especially if Will Disley comes back and they brought in Greg Olson. So there's a lot of talent at tight end in Seattle. We shall see. Just like there's a lot of talent in Seattle at tight end, there was equally as much talent, maybe even more, on the 2016 University of Wyoming football team, that team that we talked a little bit about with Hollister, and Hollister was a key contributor at the tight end position, obviously. It's remarkable, honestly. There are some really, really good players on that team, guys who have gone on to the pros. You start off with uh, Josh Allen, who obviously went on to the pros, and then Jacob Hollister, who we just got done talking to. But you scroll down the list, 
There's Austin Conway. He was a good player for University of Wyoming for several years after that. Garrett Crawl, who we were talking about at the top of this podcast, who was on the second team All-Mountain West heading into this season, was a freshman on that 2016 team. Then you've got guys like Aiden Eberhardt, who made a name for himself in that bowl game, catching some spectacular passes from Levi Williams. You've got Marcus Epps, who was a sixth-round NFL draft pick. Austin Fort, Wyoming native and current member of the Denver Broncos. Rico Gafford, who's an NFL player. Tanner Gentry, who was probably... Josh Allen's favorite or second favorite target uh, and played a few years in the NFL. Carl Granderson, an NFL player. Tyler Hall, who was just signed as an undrafted free agent by the Atlanta Falcons. Elijah Halberton, those guys were freshmen. Obviously, Brian Hill, the bell cow back. Jacob Hollister again. Um, quite a lot of talent on that team honestly cash was on that team am i missing anybody there were a lot of good players on that team dj may kevin prosser uh yo-yo is what he was known as on the defensive side of the ball something that really kind of stood out to me david is so car granderson only had 19 total tackles that season i think he might have been dealing with some injuries i don't really remember i'm not really positive so you can fact check me on that. But Cash Maluia had 16 tackles in that season. Uh, Elijah Halliburton, 11 total tackles in that season. I know these guys weren't playing as much as they were last season, but this kind of helps prove that Coach Bull recruits great players. And like David and I talk about sometimes, he really develops those players. These guys, I mean, he's just putting – professional athletes on the field it seems like every year for the University of Wyoming and what did what you call it one time David uh coach Bowles professional football factory I think I think that's what you referred to it is yeah it's the Laramie Pro Football Factory hosted by coach Craig Bowl. that's pretty funny I like that David talking about Brian Hill the dude had 22 touchdowns and not one of them was receiving out of the backfield they were all rushing touchdowns he had almost 2,000 yards from scrimmage that offense was insane Tanner Gentry I don't think you even mentioned Tanner Gentry did you uh, he played a couple we you know he played a little bit with the Bears he was in the NFL there for a short time that was just a great team and one of one of the best Wyoming football teams I'm glad I got to go to school and watch that team that team was insane I hadn't I hadn't arrived in Laramie yet as a student, but I remember, as I've said before, I think I watched too many Wyoming games late night, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, on my couch in College Station, and that was kind of the impetus to get me to the University of Wyoming. So that team has a special place in my heart. I can't believe we haven't – I don't know if Brian Hill gets enough credit for how much of a stud he was in Laramie. That 2016 season is insane. It felt like every time you gave him the ball, he was going to get minimum five yards. He certainly wasn't going to get stopped in the backfield. One guy that I did not give credit to that I should have, and I feel bad – and if he's listening, I'm really sorry. But Cooper Roth was on that team. He was an influential member of that 2016 football team. He was a freshman as the kicker. And he had eight big points in that upset win over Boise State in Laramie. So shout out to Cooper Roth as well. He was another member of Craig Bowles pro football factory in Laramie. Absolutely. Those 10 plus years in professional football are coming here soon. I saw that he uh, was 64 for 64 
on extra points. That's pretty impressive in Laramie. That doesn't, I know that, I know for sure that that doesn't happen often when you're 100%, especially 60 or more. That's that's pretty huge. I'm telling you, 10 years in professional football, mark it down. I don't care. He was too good as a college kicker. Too good as a college kicker, Robert. Yep, I know you bought that Cooper Roth stock a little while ago. I should should have invested with you, but I didn't. I was a little late. It's all right, though. Hopefully, we'll still get some returns. Yeah, I don't know if I have to form form it into a Roth IRA or whatever. I'm just kidding. I don't even know what a Roth Roth IRA is. So if uh, somebody does and they want to tell me how important it is, please do. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. David Graff. You can find Robert on Twitter at rmunoz307. Before we officially wrap it up here, is there anything else you want to get out on this podcast, Robert? No, just thanks everybody who is listening for listening and maybe just send a buck or two our way, donate to the pod, and maybe David can get his air conditioning fixed while he's living down there in Southern California. (laughs) I certainly appreciate that. Uh, I will eventually get this air conditioning problem fixed in my car. Hopefully, you know, there are all sorts of issues. Robert and I were talking about it before the pod. But that reminds me, if you do want to donate to the podcast, you can hit the link in the podcast description. Or you can Venmo us directly. Reach out to one of us on Twitter or wherever you think you can find us uh, and <laughs> we'll give you our Venmo. You can buy us a beer virtually if you would. Um, that's it for this podcast. Again, like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. David Graff. That's G R A F. And then Robert on Twitter at R Munoz three Oh seven R M U N O Z three Oh seven. You can follow me on Instagram at David Graff. Really fun stuff going on over there. Posting a ton of stories. Ton of stories these days because there's not a whole lot going on. You know, I just get excited to post an Instagram story every once in a while. So I'm not an Instagram, David, but what are you posting if there's nothing going on? I'm just being that lame dude who's, you know, I'm reposting memes, I'm reposting funny tweets. I'm reposting, you know, my girlfriend's Instagram stories. I don't care what it is. It's it's Instagram. We're just having fun over there. It's a party on Instagram, baby. But that that's where you can follow us on social media. You can donate to support the podcast. We really appreciate the people who have been doing that at the link in the description or, like I said, reach out to us any number of ways and you can Venmo Venmo us and we'll give you a direct shout out that way your that way your donation is not anonymous and we'll shout you out on the podcast here so really appreciate that really appreciate everybody that's been listening please continue to rate review and subscribe to the podcast we really appreciate our first written review somebody loved the Tony McGee interview. I know Robert and I love doing it. So that was fun. Really exciting to see that wake up and see that on uh, the feed in the Apple podcast app. So please continue to rate review, subscribe, share with your friends, do whatever. We're trying to make this thing as awesome as possible. Shout out to shake well for the music. And of course, as always, We'll be back next week on Wednesday. We're going to have four-year NFL pro and arguably the greatest Cowboys defensive lineman in program history. He sat down with us. The interview is over 25 minutes long. It's almost a half hour. Mitch Donahue, he was very generous with his time, and he talked all about what it was like to play in the WAC what it was like to play against BYU, all sorts of stuff. He is arguably the greatest, like I said, defensive lineman in program history. So get ready for that interview next week. We'll be back with more 
talk about University of Wyoming athletics, whatever develops. The biggest story really ongoing is the COVID-19 lack lack of positive COVID-19 tests at the University of Wyoming and UNLV may be getting a new mascot. Maybe we can break that down if they decide in the next week what they want to go by now. That's it for this episode. Shout out to Shakewell for the music. Go Pokes, baby. Shout out any suggestions, baby. Now 